Hello ninjas and ninjas, and welcome to another episode of the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Tim Cameron Kitchen. I'm best-selling digital marketing author and head ninja at the awesome Exposure Ninja, which is a digital marketing agency based in the UK. In this episode, I'm joined by Alison May, who runs a blog called Brocante Home, and also Nick Tuxford, who is an SEO ninja at Exposure Ninja, who is also a reader of Alison's blog and has been following Alison for years. So I wanted to get Nick on because she can talk about Alison's blog from the perspective of the reader. Now, the reason that we invited Alison to talk on the podcast is that she has built her blog audience on a very, very clear manifesto. So she has a very well-defined idea of who her target audience is and what she wants to talk about. There's so much that as business owners and as marketers, we can learn from Alison's approach. For example, how she uses storytelling, how she uses openness and honesty to build a relationship with her audience, and also how she's taken her blog readers through the process of first giving them lead generation bait, although she doesn't call it that, through her free guides, and then up to products and then membership sites on the back end as well. So there's actually loads of the digital marketing stuff that we talk about all on the Exposure Ninja podcast and we do with our clients that Alison has done naturally. So it's really interesting to hear her story and hear how she's grown her audience and really also useful to hear from Nick about how as a reader all of that stuff has been perceived. So fascinating episode. I really hope you enjoy it. I'm going to shut up and get out of the way. So enjoy the show. Alison, welcome to the show. Thank you. For those who don't know Wakante Home and they don't know you, perhaps you could give us a bit of an introduction as to what the blog is about and who your typical reader is. Absolutely. Wakante Home is about creating a a certain lifestyle for women, probably between 30 and 60, really. It's quite a wide span. And it's a a lifestyle based on, on traditional kinds of homemaking values, but in a very modern way. So we're not looking kind of to, to go back in time, but to create a home-based life that allows us to use home as a springboard for all the other creative sides of ourselves. And you have a very, very clear message and I'd call it a very clear vibe on your site, don't you? It's quite a, I, I guess, well, Nick, you're a, you're a, you're a reader of, of Brigante Home. So maybe you could give us a bit of a, uh, a description of what you think the, the site is about and the message that you take from it. I think um, from from my experience of Brocanti Home, it's about a really honest community where women allowed to recognise that we're not perfect, but also embrace the, the imperfections in our lives. So rather than building guilt up and, and kind of giving up and go oh well life sucks you know it's actually you know almost like a humorous look at, at things that can go wrong yeah that's how I you know that's how I want women to feel when they read it but this isn't just a blog is it it's a it's a business and you've got you've got courses on the back end so maybe you could tell us a bit about how you monetize this audience there's you know like everybody with blogs there's quite a few strands to, to monetize and um, I have a membership group um, with various different levels I sell downloads and pdfs and various planners and then there's kindle books kindle books have been wonderful um, that have really taken the message out um, and are bringing the audience right back in again perfect so we'll dig into the specifics of, of that and how you've kind of built up the blog but I first want to ask you about 
about the message and the positioning because it's one of the reasons that that we wanted to bring you on is because your message is so clear and you've obviously spent time honing and refining it. How, how did you start to develop this kind of manifesto and work out exactly what you wanted the site to be about, who your target audience was and how clear you wanted to be about uh, about your topic? Yeah. Um, before I actually started the blog, I was an interior designer um, and I was in and out of houses. Um, and I had an awful lot of women that were essentially asking me to create a home when as an interior designer, I could help them create a house, um, but I couldn't help them create a home. And that's where it started that actually, you know, I recognised that, that women needed a starting point um, for, for understanding what home was and how it can be built without actually kind of not having to follow any kind of rules, being allowed to be themselves in the home, to seek their most authentic selves in their houses. And that was the idea that, that essentially it wasn't about inviting an interior designer to come in and, and choose your wallpaper. It was about creating a home that reflected who you were and who you wanted to be as a family. So that was the starting point. Um, and it, it was also born at the time when my son was little um, and I didn't want to go back to work. So I wanted to do something that, that you know, was, was passing this message on. Um, so that was the beginning. From then on, it's kind of, it grew legs all by itself because I called it vintage housekeeping. Um, this was, what, 13, 14 years ago. Um, and that became kind of something that's actually huge in the, in the vintage world on the internet. And that was, you know, I was the starting point of that. Um, since then, I think that it has developed from there because it's gone, it's moved on from vintage housekeeping because as vintage housekeeping became so prevalent on the internet, I sort of slowly moved away from it because I was seeing that I was essentially feeding a group, an audience that that didn't necessarily buy into this ideal that, you know, it, it wasn't about what I wanted to convey, it wasn't ever about following rules. It was about creating a lifestyle that satisfied you kind of creatively and authentically and, and made you feel peaceful at home. Um, so I started to, to introduce a little bit more kind of well-being into the, the things that I talked about. And over the years, it's, it's, that's the point that we've reached that, you know, there's a balance now between me saying, you know, come on, get a grip now. You know, that's one of the things that I, you know, I've been selling is, is, is get a grip, stop kind of feeling overwhelmed. Let's, let's look at your life and, and build something that, that can really kind of help you become the woman that you wanted to be. Nick, is, is that, is that an element of, of, of the blog which you find connects with you and, and differentiates it from other um, housekeeping type blogs? Yeah. So, I mean, I, um, I'm i not uh, a massive kind of housekeeper person. And I'm sure if my mum listens to this, she'll be laughing to herself. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> um, and and I, I, I don't cook at all or any of that sort of thing but I am somebody who who has allowed things to kind of get into my head and and get quite kind of internalized things so to be able to kind of read a, a blog that is is so honest and and so positive as well even during some of the the kind of almost darkest stories that have been on your blog um there has been an element of positivity and kind of self-motivation and I am an ambitious person so to be able to kind of have that message there to say you know what even if you're a terrible cook (laughs) if your kids tell you that you're poisoning them it's fine because you know 
you can do these things and, and so yeah I, I completely agree with with Alison's uh, sort of, uh, description of, of what she's doing it, it's something that appeals to people that aren't just kind of looking for the polishing and dusting and cooking and baking side of of a home it's, it's, it's really interesting. I interviewed Steph Douglas for, for the podcast y- yesterday and she runs Don't Buy Her Flowers, which, yeah. so she took a slightly different approach to you, Alison. She built her audience through the blog and then built an e-commerce business right. on the side of that, um, rather than selling the memberships and, and the information products. We were talking about what she felt was, was some of the success factors for her blog. And She's saying exactly the same sorts of things as you, that this kind of honesty that comes out is, is really important. And we thought that maybe there'd been two phases of blogging. The first had been, you know, trying to present everything as a as the perfect ideal situation and get followers that way. Whereas now we're very much into um, a phase where people really appreciate the warts and all, and they feel comforted to see that, do you know what, even these people that, that you really look up to, even they have their bad days and it's completely okay. It's all about how you respond to that rather than labeling yourself a failure because you're not like them. How important do you think honesty is to, to your message and why you've been so successful? I think it's absolutely at the root of, of any kind of success that I've had. You know, it's it's my, my whole story has been unusual because I started out kind of like with this perfect little, you know, family. Um, and that was for the first two years of the blog. And then my partner left and all of a sudden I was plunged into single motherhood and everything was very, very difficult for a good few years. And I couldn't continue the way that I'd started. It had to alter to reflect my life and it had to, to convey to women that actually, you know, this is survivable. You know, everything's, you know, as far as I'm concerned, is survivable. And since then, there have been quite, you know, some real bad traumas, as, as Nick can, can tell you, really, you know, tragic traumatic events that sometimes I haven't been able to discuss because they've not been mine to discuss or because they, you know, discussing them would have impacted on my son. And that's been really, really hard for me to to kind of still communicate to the audience with as much honesty as possible without actually revealing the truth. That's a really, really difficult line to, to walk when you're a blogger. And I hope that, you know, I know that, you know, there's there's been some irritation when I have not been able to tell the whole truth. So you do set yourself up. If you start off honest, you do set yourself up for expectation from your audience. And that can be quite hard to manage when you aren't able to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Um, but what I found is that if, you know, if I say, look, this has happened, I can't tell you why, but, you know, I, I don't, some things are private and they have to be that the audience, for the most part, appreciate that. Um, and it has been massively important to, to the success of Bacanti Home. I'm interested on both of your opinions as to whether you think this sort of this sort of honesty that is appealing to people so much in the blogging world, do you think that there's a need or an opportunity for businesses to also act with this type of honesty particularly if they're documenting their journey, showing behind the scenes and all of that. I, I don't know if you guys have any opinions on those. Maybe, uh, Alison, first of all. You can see it growing in so many businesses now, you know, where they are actually, they're, they're becoming whole as opposed to kind of just one aspect of, of the forward-facing business. You're getting a little bit of the background in terms of the way that they're using social media and everything. And that, it builds relationships then, doesn't it? You know, and, and that's what I think that we're all looking for now is connection and relationship as opposed to just being sold to. And I guess 
Nick, that's one of the things that a smaller company can do that maybe a large corporation can't, where, for example, every post has to go out through the lawyers and, and all of that stuff. A, a small business can be much more agile and, and be much more open and, I guess, build deeper relationships with their audience. Yeah. So, I mean, for a small business, I think it is, as Alison said, it's fantastic to kind of see this business grow and kind of get behind it. But then there are other larger institutes that can utilize that kind of storytelling for example i i have in the past worked for a university and some of the uh, the ways that universities can potentially get their message across is through student stories and student experiences so you don't necessarily need to even utilize the the actual the business but the people who are within the business customer stories and student stories can also really benefit a business and from from Alison's perspective, the, her own business also tells the stories of, of her readers as well through some of the shared groups and even blog comments can certainly help tell that story and, and, and bring in that honesty. You know, we, we are living in this, this huge digital world and, and, you know, when we're starting to build our own digital soap stories as such, <laughs> you know, we, we have our digital alternatives to EastEnders now. And I just think it's a fantastic way for for businesses to really communicate and allow customers to identify with who they are and who their customer is and, you know, who, who their service um, provides for. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a really good point. Alison, do you have anything to, to add? I think one of the things that, you know, Nick's point about customer stories is is really important. We um, One of the things that we did recently in the community was... was somebody started a post that essentially said this is my truth um and within a couple of hours you know so many of the women that almost even in the community where they should have felt safe you know were revealing stories that you know we never would have imagined were happening to them behind the scenes and it was so important to, to kind of bring the community together to actually to ask them to stop kind of keeping the facade up you know, to, to join in with, with my truth and say, you know, this is me, everything's, you know, it is how it is, how is your life? That was enormous and it really did kind of like, I think it, it brought the community even closer together. Um, so it, that thing of, of encouraging customers to tell their own story, yeah, is 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 enormous, I think. That, that's awesome. Um, I want to change tack slightly and, and ask you about how you've built up the site and, and in particular how you've built your, your blog's audience. You haven't done a huge amount of paid advertising, have you? So how have you built the uh, how have you built the site to where it's at now? But it's still not absolutely, you know, it's not remotely huge. It's a very, very tiny community, um, and I've never ever sought a big audience. Really, oh, that's never been kind of what it's about. It's always, always been about building a close community. So I never felt that. You know, I needed to be chasing advertising. I've always felt that I needed to be nurturing the people that were already there. You know, and sometimes that, you know, I've been better at that at times than I have been, you know, at other times. It, I didn't want to bring a vast flood of, of <laughs> sounds ridiculous, but women that we didn't know. Um, <laughs> and because, because I have nurtured that community, they are so loyal and so dedicated that that affords me a life you know, and it keeps the business going, you know, and is growing steadily all the time. So it's been about managing the community as opposed to building um, an audience. And I think that that's been really, really important for Brickhanty Home that actually, you know, 
customers that have been with me pretty much since day one are still there, you know, and, and still kind of like, even if they're not talking in the community, they're still talking to me. They're still buying all my things. They're still very, very much a part of Brikanti Home and consider themselves to be Brikanti Homers. And that kind of, that ability to, to label themselves as Brikanti Homers has, has been quite important. So the business is very much sustained on repeat custom and that long-term relationship rather than stuffing a bunch of people at the top of the funnel and and uh and working them <laughs> i mean i just you know i really haven't as yet gone down that route kind of like you know nick will tell you that my email marketing has been quite erratic over the years you know i, I don't want to i don't like being flooded with information i don't want to flood my customers with with kind of bombard them with you know, offers constantly and reminders and all of those countdowns and everything that I see happening all the time. I don't think it actually fits in with women's lifestyles. They don't want to be harassed by constant emails, or at least in my experience, they don't want to be. Um, and when I have even touched on that route, I've lost subscribers. Kind of, it's 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 business model that that perhaps suits a different audience, but not mine. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are significant parallels. I, I know Steph Douglas from Don't Buy Flowers mentioned exactly the same thing. Her email marketing is is intentionally sporadic. She wants it to be that people kind of keep up with 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 what she's doing themselves. They, you know, rather than a rather than a push constantly, she wants to make it more of a pull. And it, and it sounds like the approach that's the approach that you've taken, Nick. Is are there elements of that approach which have led to your which kind of appeal to you yeah i mean one thing i will say about alison is she knows her customer and she knows that the right customer for her and but also the wrong customer for her and a mistake that a lot of businesses make is focusing on anybody and everybody and it doesn't work because it, it can essentially break a reputation because you you find that the more of the wrong kind of customer you have the more unsatisfied the customers are and the more likely they are to provide bad feedback. Whereas I know from, from my perspective, I have talked to friends about Alison's site in a positive light. So in the background, I imagine that other women are doing the same, that there is a lot of word of mouth there because you have targeted such a, such an ideal audience. With regards to the emails, I think that having that sporadic email marketing is, is kind of more of a, a it sounds like a silly word to describe it but a treat you know if you get that same email from on every other day you know you get your emails I, I kind of think of certain email marketing that I have but you know that I'm on certain lists and you know I get so many emails from them eventually I go okay I'm gonna mark this as spam and I just don't even have to look at it whereas with Alison's emails I know that I might get one a month I might get three a month but I know that each and every email will be important because they're not just sent out as standard. So yeah, I, I definitely agree. I've never ignored an email from Alison because I know that there will be a story on there that I will want to read. That's amazing. And it completely flies in the face of every, all the common wisdom in quotes about email marketing, right? Which is our email inboxes are flooded. So if we're going to send out an email, we have to expect that nobody's going to read it. So we're going to have to send it out three times. And, you know, it's it's total opposite of that. You're actually hunting Alison's emails out because they mean something to you. That's what I, you know, that's what I've hoped for. You know, there have been times when I've been a little bit, you know, I felt that, you know, I needed to, to send an email out to sell something essentially. And that always makes me cringe, you know. <laughs> 
I you literally are, you are definitely a reluctant seller you can tell from when you uh, when you email really but that's that kind of makes it even nicer because it's like I'm, I, I'm making this decision to buy something rather than you know kind of being sold it so yeah <laughs> Oh, that's lovely. Thank you, Nick. It, it has, you know, I, I am I am a very much a reluctant seller, which is preposterous, really, considering that it is a business. But that is the way that, that you know, that, that speaks, I think, of my authenticity, you know, and that's what I'm trying to kind of pass on, that actually, you know, you can do things differently. You don't have to be kind of like following sort of current thought is on things like email marketing. You can do it in a way that nurtures your audience and doesn't alienate them. You know, obviously, like I say, I've made vast amount of mistakes and I hope that you know as often as possible I've put those mistakes right and that the audience have appreciated that that actually you know I remain committed to them after 14 years. I guess it, it comes back to what you said about authenticity right so the reluctant seller is very much a part of your you know if, if we wanted to analyze it your character diamond one of them would be reluctant seller whereas some business owners, me, for example, would definitely not fit the reluctant seller model. So the important thing is just to be authentic and consistent with with what you are and, and don't feel that you have to be, you have to fit this particular type. Maybe if people are looking up to particular business owners and they think, oh, we, we need to be exactly like that. You're saying, actually, no, you don't. You just be the most authentic version of you. Yeah, you follow your own path and do what feels instinctively right, as opposed to actually, you know, as far as I'm concerned, operating outside of your own box and you know in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable um i want to be sold to in the same you know in the way that i sell to people you know not harassed but just sort of saying you know this could help and what what i will say is sim the, the the core similarity here and i think that makes both exposure ninja and brocanti home stand out is the quality of the product they you know you're both selling high quality products and so both marketing systems work for your audience yeah. because the product behind them is of high quality. I, I think neither neither way of, of advertising or, or bringing in an audience is going to work if, if what you've got is a mediocre or less than mediocre product behind it. Again, thank you, Nick. That's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm We've not, I'm not to after anything, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Alison when you just decided to take it from just being a free blog and you wanted to start kind of building a bit of an audience the, the first stage was starting with the free downloads wasn't it it was yeah yeah um, I start, go on sorry I was, I was just gonna say wh why did you choose to do that and how did you identify what to give away I started with the manifesto. I set out essentially, you know, the lifestyle that, that I was trying to kind of not push because that sounds awful. I don't want everybody to copy my lifestyle because that's, that's not right. What I wanted to say was, you know, if you follow this kind of like this manifesto, if you, if you can buy into what I'm trying to will help you create the life that you want, you know, it's, it's a simple matter of, of breaking it down into these sections. And that's what I did was to break it down into a, a set of, of kind of not rules, but suggestions for the way that, that life becomes easier. And that became the manifesto. I started out giving that free, but not necessarily in exchange for an email, stupidly at the time. They could basically just click a link and there it was. So I missed a, a major trick back then. You know, and obviously I've learned since then that we're, we're looking for emails at every kind of corner, but 
at the time it was it was about getting the message out um, and it never entered my head that actually I should be kind of building the audience from that it was just simply kind of like this is what I'm trying to say you know this is a format in which you can read it as the popularity of the manifesto group I then developed that into more sellable PDFs and for a long time the whole business maybe five six years was built entirely just on selling PDFs uh, with with you know information in about various aspects of, of life the Bacanti way and then they became the books and now we have the membership yes that's that's awesome so I guess that that's in the first stage then when you were just offering it click the link and here's the thing you were too reluctant a seller right <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know I think it just didn't enter my head I think that I was that a lot of the time, I think up until really quite recently, I had no kind of, I really was very much involved in my own world and I wasn't looking outside in terms of business building and everything else. It it hadn't connected with me and I don't know how I managed to be quite so oblivious, but it hadn't connected with me that actually there were opportunities to grow that audience and there were opportunities to bring in the right kind of person if I was marketing right. And it took me a really, really long time to get to that point to, to actually not feel uncomfortable about asking people to, to, to sign up with their email address. It's, it's taken me a while and I feel a bit silly really about it, but it just it never entered my head. Is, is there a reason why you haven't taken the route that many bloggers do, um, opting for you know sponsored content and product advertising as a route to monetizing rather than taking the info products and the training stuff and the membership that, that you have? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think within the world of, of particularly kind of women's lifestyle blogging, the prevalence of sponsored posts is painful for me. You know, I cannot, although I do a little tiny bit of it now, but only when it's something that I think that actually still fits exactly within Brookhanty Home, because I think there's nothing worse than going to, to you know, a blog that you formerly love to find that they're, they're selling something utterly random, have squeezed it into a post that appears to be one thing and then relates to another. I don't want to read anything like that. I want to read something that feels authentic to me. And whenever I do happen across that, I just think, oh, no, no, no. It feels like selling out to me. And so I've tried, you know, to have, I've done a few sponsored posts, but for the most part, it's not something that fits well with Brocanti Home because you have to swing them from going, you know, I do these things called housekeeper's diaries, which are basically, you know, just, a flood of writing really I sit down write the post takes me about 20 minutes it really is a flood of writing but it's it's raw and it's kind of like my absolute honest feelings in that moment in time to actually then put a post a sponsor post alongside that would really really sit badly with an audience I think and so there has to be some level of continuity of content that makes sense to your audience so they're not actually questioning what your motives are so that's the reason really why, you know, I haven't pursued it in any major way. I think it's something that brands don't tend to tend, tend to understand as well. I mean, obviously, we, we work with bloggers and we do sponsor posts and stuff like that. But the important thing is always exactly how you say it, it has to be relevant for the context. If, you know, if, if this person has never run sponsored posts before or, or they're not used to featuring products, then it's, it's going to stand out a mile. And if the product is not relevant to the audience, then that's really bad. It doesn't work for the blogger and it doesn't work for the brand. So there's really no situation where a, an out of context sponsored post should be used. Nick, do you have any thoughts on how Alison's monetization model appeals or 
the lack of sponsored content, I guess, is something that attracts you to the blog? With Alison's writing, I think because she avoids sponsored content in the majority of her writing, she tends to be able to give over this really authentic kind of voice and so when you read that kind of voice, you, you just automatically, you want to read more. So you want to then take the next step, which is, of course, to to sign up to an email or to then buy a product or, or then move on to the membership thing. From my perspective, the membership thing was, was Alison's best business decision. I, I thought that it was a fantastic move and, and really did build that community um, and also gave people the chance to access more information and more interactive information as well so stuff that that could basically be be utilized in a kind of to and fro way and and also it gives Alison a chance to con to connect on a more personal level and Alison and I have talked for many years now um, I think we're still a stay-at-home mum actually when we first started communicating yeah you know it gives that opportunity for that to happen and, and women have built friendships I've seen friendships between some of the women within the membership group too but yeah I mean I, I see uh, sponsored content work on some sites I think particularly mummy blogs so when they're talking about parenting products and stuff and a lot of new parents really need that kind of recommendation I think it works I think where it goes a bit rogue is when you then start to get for example a mummy blogger talking about something that's completely out of context and and kind of trying to pigeonhole it into you know here look, look at my child using a forklift truck I mean obviously <laughs> you know I'm exaggerating here but you, never happened. <laughs> you know you're kind of going to start to go hmm <laughs> That doesn't that doesn't ring true, does it? And I think that's when they start to lose their audience because it's no longer about supporting their audience. It's about, you know chasing money. Yeah, essentially. So so yeah, I think a good blog uh, knows their niche, knows their audience and knows how to choose their monetizing options to suit that audience. One of the things that happens is that, you know, if you don't do too many sponsored posts, um, you know, I, I do rely quite heavily on, on affiliate stuff. And that, because I've built a level of trust, if I do suggest, you know, books particularly, if I suggest a book, I can guarantee that, you know, a percentage of my audience will go out and buy that book because they trust me. You know, they're not, I'm not, you know, I read hundreds of books, but there's only one or two that I will actually bring to the county home and say, read this because this is, I know my audience, I know what they're like. And then it builds up trust if, you know, one of the most lucrative kinds of offers that I get on a regular basis is to write for bingo sites and things like that. If I started recommending that women sit around playing online bingo all day long, it would be so at odds with any message that I'm selling, you know, and it really would be about selling out. Do you think it's important that bloggers absolutely, well, I'm, I'm guessing I know the answer, but how important do you think it is that bloggers maintain with fierce, <laughs> you know, bigger, fierce, high moat around their audience and around their message it, it's got to be absolutely crucial to, to building your blog right it has been crucial to Brook County Home you know obviously I can't speak for, for anyone else it's it has been absolutely crucial for Brook County Home you know I and also kind of you know maybe maybe I, I kind of 
I'm operating with my morals too high. Maybe, you know, people would, would just kind of go, oh, she needed to do that. If, if I did do something that was a little bit kind of, you know, not quite right, you know, maybe people would understand. But I want them to be kind of, you know, when they come to Pacanti Home, I want it to be a journey that they're on with me as opposed to something that they stumble over and think, oh, what's that all about? You know, I don't want to give them opportunities to doubt me. Um, and so I very, very rarely do anything that I think wouldn't sit well. I want to ask you about the membership. Because um, obviously the membership is now a big part of, of, of what you do. What led you to go down the membership route? Why did you decide that, that this was going to be a good thing to do? For packaging sake, really. Um, you know, I was selling all these individual PDFs and this sounds absolutely ludicrous, but one of the things that I'm absolutely terrible at is, you know, and Nick will tell you is, is admin. You know, I'm, I'm disastrous at it. I really am. And I haven't got any better in 14 years. The membership essentially was about simplifying everything for everybody's sake. You know, it was kind of like you can, you know, rather than constantly buying one thing after the other, have everything all in one place. Have a place where you can come and really kind of drown in Brickhanty Home for a half an hour each day or whatever, which is what, you know, I, I see the audience doing. I wanted that for them. I wanted them to be kind of completely suffused in, in what the county home was about. And I also wanted to make life simpler at my end so that I wasn't constantly having to, to chase up kind of, this sounds absolutely awful, but, but PDFs that people couldn't download, all of those things, that little tiny, tiny jobs that were consuming my day. And so the membership was two-sided, really. It, it was for the audience and also for the sake of actually building a business model that I could see taking forward into the future. And what 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 does the membership look like for for a member? So they join. How much do they pay, and and what do they get access to? There are two levels. Um, there is the full membership, which is the salon membership, and that's one hundred and sixty nine dollars a year. In which case, they get all the PDFs that I've ever written. There's I think one hundred and seventy units in the salon membership, um, which is all hosted on Nukajabi now. They get workbooks um, that they can work alongside me with. Um, they get an hour's coaching, pep talk, free. They get access to the Facebook community. So that's all in the initial, in the major package. And then there is a tiny package. It's $15 a year that basically allows them access to a couple of the PDFs and the community, the Facebook community. Most people tend to go for the big package. Ah, that's interesting. That was going to be my next question. What your split is between the tiny one and the full salon membership? Um, most people tend to go. Um, and I would say it's about 70-30. Wow. Wow. Okay. Have you split tested price at all or did you set the price and, and run with it? It's been various different prices over the years. Um, it started at $99. It's been $199 and $169 seems to be the sweet spot. You know, they can pay it monthly. They can pay um, $20 a month. But that I've run into issues with that recently, which is making me doubt it as a long-term business model because people are kind of, you know, paying once and then taking everything and disappearing. You know, essentially that's not going to work long-term. It has to be that, they, you know, if I am extending an offer at £20 a month, they're not going to run, basically. So that may be something that has to be reconsidered in the future. Yeah. And, and you operate the membership site through Kajabi, don't you? And that handles... Pretty much everything, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah, it's been wonderful. It's actually changed the whole face of the business because I was originally running everything on WordPress and I was having constant issues, partly because 
you know, people would forget where they needed to sign in for partly because I probably wasn't demonstrating where they needed to sign in with enough kinds of like signposts. Uh, because I presume that, you know, everybody understands the internet in the same way that I do. And actually, an awful lot of of my audience don't, you know, they need things to be very, very simple. And that's what Kajabi has, has offered is a very, very easy route through to, to actually, you know, choosing and buying and then being a part of the community. Perfect. Nick, is there anything that you want to uh, to cover? <laughs> so, uh just um, kind of from from my perspective of the the membership site, so I have I had the membership since before it was before it was the salon essentially because because yeah. there was an old system wasn't there as well, uh, and so yeah I think also from a customer's point of view it, it reduces admin. Um, I am terrible at accidentally deleting files, accidentally <laughs> using files, <laughs> and going over my capacity on Google Drive. So it, it is handy, I think, as well, for people to have that that uh, that location, that kind of central location. And uh, and certainly, from my perspective, the, the monetized side of it was one of the things that really attracted me, because there were a lot of things that, at, at my time, when, when I was much younger, and first found Brocanti home, I didn't have a clue. <laughs> I was I was a, a mum at 25 and none of my friends were mums. Um, yeah. Nobody I knew was a mum. And um, and so kind of the going from that, having to be, you know, from that kind of student life to having to run a family, to be able to access that information was, was brilliant. So, um, yeah, I think Alison has done a lot for women and, and in helping them and... Um, telling them the stories of, of her own life, which has just been really fantastic. And yeah, you, you know, you, you built that fantastic connection with people. It's amazing. I, I hats off to you. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. A per- perfect place to wrap up, I think. So, Alison, where can people find out more about you and Bricanti Home? Bricantihome.net. I'm on Twitter. Um, again, with uh, Bricanti Home, Facebook, Bricanti Home. Everything is, is labeled Bricanti Home. You can find me everywhere. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us, both of you. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you. Thanks. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thanks. Bye bye. <laughs>